Good morning, Rosemont Bible Church. This morning we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20, as we continue in our study of the book of Mark, following the servant, the mystery of the Son of God. So we'll read those verses, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. And he, Jesus, he continued to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got in, into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve disciples asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And they said to them, Do you not understand these parables? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and these desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those were, that were sown on the ground but those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Now this morning we're having an outline. We have an outline. We'll start off with an introduction. Then we'll be looking at the seed and the soil along the path and the rocky soil and the soil covered with thorns and the soil that bore much fruit that we will be drawing a conclusion with some applications. Let's start off with our introduction. Uh, the crowd pressed Jesus so closely that he got into a boat and taught. Now Jews used to stand up to read the word of God and sit down to teach, and that's what our Lord does here. The terrain around the Lake of Galilee was like a natural amphitheater that, encour that encouraged excellent communications, uh, great acoustics. Up until now, the boat had been a means of transportation or a way to escape the crowd, but now the boat has become a pulpit. 
let's define what a parable is. A parable is a stretched comparison with a, with a clear spiritual lesson in the analogy. A parable is a very simple scene from everyday life intended to throw light on a profound spiritual lesson. It comes from two words in Greek, para, which is beside, and bole, which means to throw. So it's throw next to, place beside something. It's a story placed beside a truth. The parable never contains mythical or fanciful elements. Jesus' parables are credible. They reflect situations that are true to reality. There are two key words here we need to take notice of. Uh, there's the word listen. We find it at the beginning of verse 3 and at the end of the parable in verse 9. We find it 13 times in this chapter. It's the word akuo. Uh, we know that word in English, acoustics. It's one of the most important verses in the Old Testament uh, that begins with this word hear or listen. It's called the Shema, which is the Hebrew word for hear. It reads like this, Deuteronomy chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And so this Shema, this Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, were written on little pieces of paper and placed in boxes that the Jewish pious people um, wore on their foreheads and on their legs. Um, they called them phylacteries. And, and so this verse was very, very important to the Jews. And it starts with this word hear or listen. And Jesus started off this parable with the word listen. And I'm sure that this brought to mind the Jews the importance of listening to the word of God. Another key word is soil. Read verse 1 that the crop was on the ground. And then the parable of Jesus talks about four kinds of soil, four types of ground. It's the same word in the original. And I think that leads us to believe that the four kinds of the land represented the different people in the crowd, crowd who were standing on soil. Now, there are two great parables in Mark's gospel. The first one is our parable this morning, the parable of the soils in chapter 4. And that follows the opposition of religious leaders uh, to Jesus over the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath. And the sec great, second great parable in Mark is the um, story of the, of the um, wine growers in chapter 12, and that follows the opposition of religious, religious leaders to Jesus' authority. And so these great parables follow opposition to Jesus from religious leaders, and I think that is significant. We'll look at that later. Parables help to make simple and illustrate, help to make things simple and illustrate spiritual truths for people who are listening with a willing heart so they can understand. But it is also true, sadly, that parables veil the truth for rebellious and unbelieving believers by carefully unwrapping the mysteries of Christ's kingdom with those familiar symbols and simple stories. Here are some principles for interpreting, interpreting parables. There are a lot of parables in the Gospels. We need to learn how to interpret them. First of all, this is very important. Normally, there is only one important point. One should avoid looking for meaning in every detail of the story. Let's look for the big idea, the big point in the parables when we read them. 
Secondly, the story is drawn from the experience of people who lived in a culture very different from our culture. And we need to take the time to understand that culture, uh, those circumstances. We look at the context in the verses in the chapters before and after the parable. And we need to take note of what is surprising. Often, almost always in the parables, something surprising takes place. And that surprising thing that takes place is often the main point. And last of all, normally the end of the story is very important. That too helps us to identify the main point in the parable. We have to avoid allegory. Uh, the church father, Oregon, liked allegory a lot, unfortunately. And he interpreted as an example the parable of the Good Samaritan like this. The man who travels represents Adam. Not, we're not sure where he got that from. The priest represents the law. Okay. The Levites represent the prophets. That's surprising. The donkey represents the body of Christ. Now, does a donkey represent the church? I know some church people who are stubborn like donkeys, but I'm not sure that the donkey represents the church. And the Samaritan represents the work of Christ. You see that allegory depends on our imagination. And we don't use our imagination to interpret God's word. Mark helps us understand this parable in the parallel passage in chapter 13 of Matthew. I'm sorry, Matthew. Matthew says, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to them it has not been given, for to the one who has more will be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That is why I speak to them, them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Mystery of the kingdoms of he kingdom of heaven. In the New Testament, this word does not refer to things that are mysterious. A biblical mystery refers to a spiritual truth that was obscure or entirely veiled under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament, but it is fully revealed under the New Covenant in the New Testament. A mystery in the New Testament is communicated only through divine revelation. And here are some examples of mysteries. Uh, the Gospel is a mystery. The Incarnation of Christ is a mystery hinted at in the Old Testament made clear, revealed completely in the New Testament. And the fact that new Jews would be co-heirs with the Jews in the New Covenant, um, once again hinted at in the Old Testament, made clear with Paul's teaching in the New Testament. What is the theme of this parable? I suggest what I've written down here. God's generous offer of salvation and the lukewarm reception of this offer. A description of the crowd's reaction toward the preaching of the kingdom by Jesus. Let's now look at the seed. In the land of Israel, the fields were long and narrow, surrounded by paths, no fences. The sower filled his hand with a handful of seed and he scattered it on his land. And naturally, some seed fell into poorly prepared, less suitable land for farming. Notice here that the seed that falls into different soils is exactly the same. The different results 
do not depend on the sea, but on the soil. Jesus said here that the seed represented God's word, and God's word is always good. And so the problem in this parable is not that the seed is different. The problem is that the soils are different. Let's look now at the soil along the path. For each of the four types of soils, we're going to be looking at the story, and we're going to be looking at the explanation. Now the narrow fields were which people walked to get to the different fields. And the soil was unplowed and hard as concrete on these paths. Um, the seed had no chance to penetrate the soil and germinate. And so the seed stayed on the surface and the birds were very happy to come along quickly and devour it. The explanation, the dry and hard soil along the road represent a heart that is impenetrable, impenetrable for the word of God and the message of the gospel. The listener is unconscious, hope, hopeless, spiritually dead. By the hardness of his heart, he exposes himself to Satan's plays, Satan's ploys. He does not realize that by refusing to serve, to follow Christ, he becomes a slave to Satan. The soil, therefore, represents the hard heart. It is certainly not a coincidence that this parable follows closely the rejection of Jesus' ministry by the Jewish religious leaders. When we reject truth that God has revealed to us, we harden our hearts. And God goes along with our decision and hardens our heart even further for us. Think about Pharaoh. We call that judicial hardness. Pharaoh hardened his heart. He would not listen to God's word as was brought to him by Moses. And when he hardened his own heart, God hardened his heart for him. Jesus spoke in parables to teach truth to those who believed the truth that had been revealed to them and to hide the truth from those who had rejected that truth. Hosea chapter 6 verse 4 is so sad. We read, What will I do with you, O Ephraim? Talking about Israel. What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the seed on hard ground, which did not even germinate. But there is hope. In Mark chapter 10, we'll see later, there was a blind beggar called Bartimaeus. And we read that he was sitting by the side of the road, the same word here for soil. And he received the word of God. So there is hope even for the hard people. God softens hearts receive the word of God. Don't give up praying for your children, for your loved ones, for those to whom you are speaking about the Lord who have hard hearts. Next we're going to look at the soil that is rocky, the rocky soil. The story, sometimes a thin layer of soil hides an underlying layer of rock, a bedrock, and the seed penetrates the soil and it germinates and we see it spring up, but very soon, a lack of water, the heat from the sun, they prevent this plant from developing and it dries. The roots aren't deep enough into the soil. The lack of roots, the lack of depth means that the promise of a, of, a, of, a, of a great start quickly ends in disappointment at a plant that withers. The thin layer, layer of topsoil above the rocky layer symbolizes a person with a shallow heart who reacts immediately but not in a deep way. 
These people seem receptive, showing enthusiastic interest. In the par parallel passage in Luke chapter 8, verse 13, it is trials that demonstrate this lack of depth. This rocky soil, therefore, represents the superficial vista. Let's look now at the soil that is covered with thorns. In the story, thorns and weeds are very harmful to agriculture. Seeds planted in soil with a lot of weeds, with a lot of thorns, or with roots of weeds below the surface, will germinate and appear healthy at first, but soon the weeds will take over all the space, the sunlight, water, the nutrients, the good seed will be smothered out, choked out, and will not produce fruit, and eventually it will die. This third field represents a heart too preoccupied with the things of this world. There are early signs of interest in Jesus' message, but the seduction of riches, the worries of this century, will stifle all the spiritual life, all no fruit. Weeds will grow faster than the good seed and choke it out, choke it off. The third field therefore illustrates the person who makes a profession, but is not really saved. That person allows other things to take God's place. Among the sad examples of people whose heart is soil covered with thorns, there is Herod and Judas. We read in Mark chapter 6 that Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. Poor Herod, interested in God's word, but he didn't receive it and is wanting to be popular and not wanting to, uh, to lose the respect of his wife and his stepdaughter, choked out the word of God. And we have the story of Judas, so sad. Speaking of the Pharisees, we read, and when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. There were probably many reasons for which Judas betrayed, betrayed Jesus. But his love for money was one of those reasons. His love for money were, was like thorns that choked out God's word, which he heard from Jesus for three years. So sad. But there's another example even sadder in the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 10, we read this. And as he was setting out on his journey, talking about Jesus, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, You know the commandments? Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And the young man said to Jesus, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. How sad. This young man who did not enter the kingdom of God because he loved riches. I hope this was a temporary setback. I wonder sometimes if this was not the Gospel of Mark, 
Only the Gospel of Mark tells a story about this young man who came to Jesus in this way. When I get to heaven, I'm going to sit down with Mark. I have a few questions I want to ask him, and I do want to ask him, what was that you in chapter 10? Let's look now at the soil which bore much fruit. This is well-prepared soil, free of weeds. The seed plunges its roots deeply into the soil and receives the nutrients and water needed to produce fruit, much fruit. Harvesting 30, 60, or 100 times for one refers to the money produced by the harvest compared to the money invested in the seed. A return on investment of six or 10 times was very, very good. 100 times was an extraordinary, unheard of blessing. In the book of Genesis, we read the interesting story about Isaac and Rebekah, who during a famine had to go into exile to the land of the Philistines. We read, and Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. And so we see that reaping 100 times um, is really a sign of special blessing from the Lord. Luke explains that this last story represents, in chapter 8 of Luke, as for that in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Mark tells us that this soil is about this type of people, but those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. One of the key words here is perseverance, a strong, tenacious attachment to the truth and a constancy in faith. Producing long-term fruit is a sign of a true conversion. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. The fruit here is certainly the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But for Paul, those who came to the Lord through his ministry were also fruit. Jesus insists that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. John chapter 15, verse 2. Let's draw a conclusion. And some, and some applications. First of all, it is our duty to prepare our hearts to receive the word of God. We read that Rehoboam, son of Solomon, did not set his heart to seek the Lord. First Chronicles 12, verse 14. How sad. How do we apply our hearts to hear the word of God, to seek the Lord? May I suggest that first of, all, first of all, we need to pray to God, asking Him to help us understand. I have the habit, I'm afraid I have to admit I don't do it all the time, but when I'm going to read God's Word, I take time to pray and say, Lord, open your Word for me that I might understand it. We need to do that. We need to obey in the areas that God has shown us. When God shows us something, we need to obey. Because if we don't obey what God has shown us, He won't show us anything else. We need to read and listen carefully to God's Word. 
We need to confess our sins regularly. Unconfessed sin, sin that is not dealt with, stops us from understanding God's word. We need to humbly seek to please the Lord as the first priority in our lives. That's how, at least some ways in which we need to set our hearts to seek the Lord. You know, for the Greek thinker, incomprehension, lack of understanding, was caused by a lack of education or by an intellectual disability. And I think that Greek philosophy kind of has been accepted in our Quebec culture. But for Jesus and for the believer, misunderstanding of spiritual truths is not caused by intellectual disability or by lack of education. It's caused by moral deficiency, by our response to persecution or by spiritual welfare. If we refuse to receive Christ as Savior and to follow him as our master, our problem is not intellectual, our problem is moral. You know, it's very dangerous to reject God's message to us when we harden our hearts, when we refuse to accept and obey what God has revealed to us, God will eventually stop speaking to us. We call that judicial blindness, hardening our hearts. What terrible, terrible results from rejecting God's word. Producing fruit is an essential indicator of God's kingdom. Finally, let's not forget that we must sow if we want to harvest. If we want people to come to the Lord, we want to produce that type of fruit. We have to sow God's word. Let's follow the servant. Let's take to heart the parable of the soils. Let's listen to God's word. Let's apply God's word to our heart as soon as we hear it. Let's obey God's word. Lord, help us to be good soil that receives God's word and bears fruit. Amen.